Hey there, and welcome to Busting Out of Breast Cancer, the show that has a straight talking about surviving and thriving breast cancer using the smile method. I am Shannon Burroughs, your host for the show. I'm a breast cancer thriver and recovery coach, woman's empowerment coach, and business strategist. While navigating my own breast cancer journey, I found my purpose at the intersection of passion and pain. I became the person I couldn't find and now specialize in cancer exercise to help you navigate your own journey. I empower women to smile in the face of adversity, including breast cancer, to disengage from their limiting beliefs and start living their lifestyle by design to become the best version of themselves. On the show, we share survivor stories and talk about thriving on life, not just surviving. Welcome back to the show. This week's episode, we are talking to the founding member of the Ayers Foundation, Morgan Hare. And if you have not heard of the Ayers Foundation, wait until you hear everything she has to say about it. It is an amazing organization out there helping women that are navigating their own journey through breast cancer. And um, welcome to the show, Morgan. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Um, Just to give you a little bit of history of how we started the Ayers Foundation, which is Alliance and Reconstructive Surgery, is my dear friend, Janet Bendlinger. She and I have been friends for over 40 years. And like everybody else, we've all had ups and downs in our life, but we wanted to do something to give back. And it had to be about women because we're very much about empowering women and doing things for other women. You know, that's important to us. So I wrote to a plastic surgeon here in Dallas, Dr. Rob Rourke, and asked him, what's, somebody, what's something no one's talking about? What needs to have a voice that doesn't have a voice? And he wrote back to me and said that up to 70% of people who've had breast cancer either don't know about their reconstruction options and or they can't meet their co-pays or have no insurance, which was astounding to us because everybody we knew, first of all, didn't talk about it much, and second of all, had insurance that when we started to talk to people who were part of the underserved population, we realized it was a huge problem. That they would go to the doctor, they would talk about mastectomy, but they would never talk about reconstruction and why that was an important step of helping a woman restore her self-esteem. And you know, if you're making $30,000 a year and your copay is 5,000, are you gonna feed your family, pay your rent, or are you gonna have reconstructive surgery? it really put a woman in a bad place to sort of think about, does she do something for herself or does she take care of her family first? Or 30 million people in this country still have no insurance. So that led us to really start the Heirs Foundation and start the conversation about why breast reconstruction is so important to women who have either had a mastectomy to breast cancer or prophylactic one because they have the BRCA or some mutant gene that led to them doing this procedure. That is unbelievable. And that is, that is such a huge issue that we do face. Um, you know, as women, we kind of take on the role of everything. Right. And we always want to put, you know, I, I like to empower and tell women, you know, you have to take care of yourself first. It's like that whole, that whole, um, that meme with the, with the airplane of like, who you're going to put your oxygen mask on first or the person next to you, your child. And it's so important that we do take care of ourselves, but that is a real problem. Do we pay the rent? Do we feed our family or do I get the surgery that is necessary in order for me to, you know, thrive through my breast cancer journey. So I love that you came up with this organization. And what I think is even exciting or amazing is that neither one of you had breast cancer. No, neither one of us has breast cancer, but what we do know, it's a huge issue. You know, at least one in eight women get breast cancer and it's important. It was an important issue. Yes. So even though neither one of us have had breast cancer, it still was important for us to do something about it. 
And when did you start? When did you start the Airs Foundation? Um, we started the Airs Foundation in 2014. And you know, you have to go through the whole process of becoming a 501c3 organization, figuring out what to call it, and then how to get the word out. Because what was interesting to me in the beginning, when I would tell people we were doing this, they would say, but they're healed, you know, they're over their cancer. Why does this matter? Which was astounding to me that somebody would just think just because you're cured means that you're feeling good about yourself and moving on with your life. It's not that simple. Not that simple at all. I mean, there's, there's women that go the rest of their lives, just not feeling good or confident in their body and feeling good about themselves. And yeah. it's, that's really sad. It's, it's sad that, you know, a disease comes in, takes over our, our mindset right. and, and our emotional well-being. And I think that's horrible. And I think that's why it's so important that we advocate for other women to take control of their lives. That's why I really try to focus on lifestyle by design and take control of your life to become the best version of yourself. You are in control of that, your thoughts, your, your feelings, everything. And sometimes if you just don't have the right tools in your tool belt, it's hard to have that mindset. It's hard to shift that. And I think that's why it's so important that, you know, there's people out there like yourself, me, other, you know, thrivers that are out there really Absolutely. trying to help other thrivers. So right. that's fantastic. So you are trying to bridge the gap in the communication aspect yes. of things. And I think that's amazing because I'm trying to bridge the gap between the medical and fitness industries, which again, there's a lack of communication and again, nothing against the physicians, but that's not what they go to school for. Right. So right. When it comes to reconstruction, I, you know, I created a, an ebook that basically has your options for um, your reconstruction because, you know, not everybody's the same. You may get a diagnosis of DCIS or stage three or whatever, but that doesn't mean that that's going to be the same protocol for everybody. It's not just textbook. Like you are an individual human being and whether you decide right. to have a tram flap, a lat flap, a, you know, whatever your reconstruction options, options are, I think that it's fantastic that you really want to educate women on that. Well, what's important is, and we realize in talking to a lot of, you know, places that deal with women who are part of the underserved population, they don't even want to tell them about reconstructive surgery because they don't want to get their hopes up that wow. it's going to be available to them. So they won't tell them. And that's amazing to me that they won't tell them, especially when there's an organization like us who's willing to help these women get, you know, have reconstructive surgery. Right. You know, the other part of it was really that that people would say, well, everybody has insurance and that's not true. And no. even if you had insurance, it doesn't mean you can meet your co-pays. So educating women, you know, it's one thing we talk about. You could do all the social media in the world and you could be on your on the, you know, Facebook, Instagram and whatever. But that doesn't mean the people we're trying to help are there. Right. You're so, absolutely correct reaching out into the community and allowing people to know we're really here to help. It's been one of the bigger challenges. That's a much of a challenge to have the press cover us, but they don't read the press, you know, so really trying to reach them takes, you know, more imaginative activities to really get out into the communities and start talking to people and know that we're here to help. And certainly being here in Dallas, we can do that, but We've helped women in over 25 states. So we're wow. not just helping women in Dallas or Texas. We're helping women all over the country. Um, so I would say that doctors who have helped us, they'll tell their patients about it. Nurse advocates will tell their patients about us. Social workers. So 
and hopefully anybody who's listening here who's in one of those venues would then recommend that people call us and see how we can help them. We have uh, many doctors around the country who volunteer their services and greatly reduce their costs. So we're able to help more women, which is really important because, you know, you have some sort of flap done, those surgeries could be upwards of $100,000, $150,000. They're expensive. Very. And, um, so, you know, even making a decision that you want to use your own body parts to create new breasts is a big decision. And in many cases, if you're part of a large institution, you're going to have enough doctors around you who's, you know, someone from the pharmacy and internist, radiation oncology and whatever, who are helping you make these decisions. But there are many women out there who are not part of a large university setting and don't know about these things. And they're, you're right when you said before their doctors don't tell them about it, nor do they tell them about how emotionally to deal with this, how to interact with their family. What do you tell your children? You'd be surprised at how many women, when we say we'd like to post about the fact that we helped you say, but I haven't told my family. Isn't that incredible? Right. They, they don't want their, even their families to know that they have breast cancer. That's very sad because that's, that becomes very lonely and the journey itself is scary as it is, but to go through it alone, I couldn't even imagine that. I am like complete opposite. I want to tell everybody because I want to make sure that people know that there's help out there, that there's, there's solutions. Right. And I, and I would try to advocate for that to empower women to know that they, they, they do have a voice and that there are resources out there. And that's why I like to be able to do this podcast, to have people like you on here right. to share the different resources. So we have a group of advocates and everyone who applies for a grant has an advocate assigned to them. They don't help you make decisions. They're there to inform so that you know about what's available. And they're there to be a support system because so many of these women don't have support systems. So this is somebody they can call so they don't feel they're alone. I mean, so many emotions come up about feeling alone and that you're the only one going through this and the only one having these emotions. And to know that you're not alone is really important, is to know that somebody cares about you and wants the best for you. So that's yes. what our volunteers do. Most are breast cancer survivors, so they've been there. And they're with you the whole time, even past your reconstructive surgery. If they want to stay in touch with the advocate, they can. And we have a woman by the name of Tamara Seeger, who is our director of patient advocacy. And she is amazing. She's also a breast cancer survivor. Many of the women who help us are breast cancer survivors. And she is able to get the cost of a surgery that should have been $100,000 to get the doctors to really donate their services. So our average cost of surgery is about $5,000. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. We work hard to um, really work with the doctors and the hospitals to get them to donate a lot of their services and get their costs out, which is really important. It's very important. And I know that the insurance companies nowadays are really not paying as much as they used to for surgeries, which is very disheartening. So it's nice to know that there's organizations like yours out there that can help with that. What are some, what are some of the best ways that you fundraise? Well, lately, what we've been doing is fundraising online and then also applying to grants to specific foundations or people who we know would sort of support us. It's been very hard the last year because of COVID to really go out and have events where you could raise money because people haven't really wanted to be in large groups. 
I think that's changing somewhat and our plans for 2022, which seems to me is just around the corner, which is scary. Exactly. (laughs) Really? Is it the end of the year already? And am I buying Christmas presents? I mean, it's just exactly mind boggling to me that as much as the sort of the pandemic has been around, the year is still passing us by at, at, at great speed. <laughs> I know. <laughs> how does that happen? I have no idea how that really happens, but right now we've been working with Dr. Jonathan Bank and Dr. Ron Israeli, and they've created a book called Restore. And Restored really um, shows pictures of 12 women who've had breast reconstruction either due to having a mastectomy for breast cancer or doing it prophylactically. And it's photographs of them and their journey. And then what they did is they created plaster casts of their breasts and their bodies, and they made sculptures out of them. Hmm. And it's a really wonderful tabletop book. Um, They've done this with Allergan and then this wonderful internationally known photographer, Eric Sabag from the Forum Collaborative. And they've made the books available to us and we, you can buy one or actually it's a donation. So you would donate $50 to the foundation and you get the book. So you get a tax deduction for it if that's meaningful to you and it's free shipping. So we really tried to make the book as available to as many people as possible. And again, this really helps us raise funds to continue doing what we're doing. It's, it's really an amazing book. It's um, fantastic. Yeah. It's again, this whole idea of women don't need to feel alone. You know, they don't need to worry, like, what am I going to look like? What does the surgery mean to me? Mm-hmm. How long is it going to take me to recuperate from this? And is the best decision what they call now one and done. So when they do your mastectomy, they do your reconstruction at the same time. Uh, do you need to have expanders? You know, what does that feel like? So showing women in their raw state and one woman is even pregnant. Wow. Um, is, that must be scary. I couldn't imagine going through breast cancer being pregnant. No. And there's one woman who actually wrote her thesis on young women having the gene, the Um, and what it's like to be in your 20s and to find out that you have this genetic mutation. And she wanted to have three children. So she wanted to wait until after she had her third child. And unfortunately, during her third pregnancy, she developed breast cancer. Mm. So she was, while pregnant, had to go through some chemo. And then you worry about the state of your baby. So hard decisions to make once you find out you have the gene. And even if you're single at that point, you know, that's a whole lot. That's a whole lot to put into a bowl. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Um, And, you know, the other problem is relationships between husbands and wives when you have breast cancer. And what does that mean? Right. And how does the family deal with it? And some men are incredibly supportive and some men aren't. Because they, mm-hmm. we have a 21-year-old that we helped, and her husband was divorcing her because he said he couldn't be married to someone who didn't have real breasts. What? Yeah. I mean, you can't imagine when we take these calls from women who call us. What a shallow individual. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I don't think that's unusual. Again, I think some husbands are incredibly supportive. And others aren't, you know, that's just another thing. And 
we try to cover all sorts of topics. I think, you know, fitness is something we like to talk about because if you're in good condition before your surgery, you're just going to heal better mm -hmm. and faster. And then figuring out what kind of exercise to do after your mastectomy. I thought it was really interesting when you talked about the fact that you like to start working with someone before they're having their surgery so they know what their bodies are like and know what their movement is like, their pre-op. Mm -hmm. yep. I thought, how brilliant is that to know that and then afterwards be able to give them an exercise routine based on their abilities and what they can do going forward. Right. I, I thought that was just terrific. Well, thank you. Yeah, I think it's really important. And it's, again, one of those things that is not talked about because it's not really part of the, the regimen of your, you get your diagnosis. Right? right. And I just interviewed Dr. Jay Harness, um, on my podcast and he really emphasizes the importance of having a multidisciplinary team and how everyone needs to communicate and talk together. And that doesn't just, you know, end with the general physician, the plastic surgeon radiation that includes PT that includes, you know, someone like myself, cancer exercise specialist, it includes somebody like yourself that can, you know, help with the surgery, like have everything come together because there's so much that is involved. And so, yes, back to what you were just talking about is the prehab. I think it's really important that women know people, men, men get breast cancer too, um, right. that, uh, that they get a baseline you know, just like you, you want to get a baseline for anything, you know, going to surgery, you want to have a baseline for, you know, whatever right. your blood pressure is. So it's the same thing with exercise. You want to have a baseline for, so basically a postural assessment, your range of motion assessment, because if you, you know, if you have incredible range of motion, but you have a double mastectomy, you're left with T-Rex T arms and you're saying, how the heck am I going to get back to where I was or even right. better? And, and that's where, you know, someone like myself comes in and says, okay, well, this is your baseline. You were at such and such a degree, you know, on the right arm, such and such a degree on your left arm. And, you know, we need to work on, you know, your lateral, your frontal, whatever movement that is to get you back. And it's, it's more so focusing on strengthening your back, not doing any chest muscles or right. chest exercises, more of stretching. So yes, it's really important. And, and no one thinks about that because all you're thinking is, oh my God, I'm going to get cut. Where am right. I going to get cut? What's going to happen? What muscles are going to be right. affected? But you go back to a regular gym or you go back to a trainer that doesn't have the knowledge that I have or any other cancer exercise specialist. So you don't know if you're doing the proper exercises or stretches, you know, you don't know, you know, that trainer doesn't know where your incisions were, what muscles were affected, what mit, what medications and treatments you've had what the side effects that come along with that, whether there's risk for lymphedema and right. all of those things. So yeah, there's a lot. And I think that's why it's so important that we get out there and educate people. I mean, the other subjects we cover are sexual problems. You mm -hmm. know, you're, all of a sudden you're having chemo and you're going through an early menopause. And what does that mean? And how shocking is that if no one said to you, this is what's going to happen to you, you know, right. and then you sort of lose interest in sex and everything else. And how does that impact your relationship? It's um, a whole snowball effect. It's, it's really, it is. And then the psychological effects, you know, we're coming upon the holiday season. And how are you keeping up your great attitude when everybody's talking about Christmas and everything else that's going on and you're still dealing with this whole situation? So we also try to cover subjects that deal with everything that happens in your day-to-day -day life and, and what that means. That's that is, that's a huge topic is intimacy. In fact, my general surgeon said, can you please find somebody to talk on your podcast about, you know, intimacy issues that happen going through cancer, because it's one of those things, you know, a lot of people don't like to talk about 
sex to begin with, but now you add cancer into it. And that's a whole nother thing. So anybody out there that's listening, yes, you- we know somebody because we did a <laughs> podcast with her. It's ask Rosie. Okay. And I can send you the doctor's information. She's here in Dallas. And anyway, we did a podcast with her talking about all these issues that come up. And again, we're not, I'm not afraid to tackle any subject. Me either. If it's affecting you, somebody needs to talk about it. And somebody needs to, again, make you feel not alone, that this is not just you. It's problems that come up that people have to deal with. They're real. What? They're real. They're real. I mean, the other thing we talk about, and someday I'm going to take up this cause, is having dense breasts. Yes. I mean, over 50% of women have dense breasts. You could be small-breasted or large-breasted. And what does that mean? And I really believe that every woman in her 20s should have a baseline mammogram. Yes. Really? You should know if you have dense breasts. And then you should, if you do, you should ask them to do more tests to make sure that there's nothing hiding. Because if you have dense breasts, it's going to hide a tumor. It's just the way it is. Mm -hmm. So it's really important that people have a baseline. They need to know if they have dense breasts. They need to know if they have a half family history. Mm -hmm. Um, You need to be tested for your genetics when it comes to breast cancer. And the other thing that people don't know, and we've talked about this, is that if you have the gene, a woman can pass it down to her son, at which point the son could pass it to his children. Mm. And I don't know that people are really aware of the fact that if you have the BRCA gene, it's something you could pass down to men. Right. And Dr. Harness was saying actually that it's more than just BRCA1 or BRCA2. There's like 10 other gene mutations right. that they test for. So, you know, most people think, oh, I'm just going to go see if I'm, you know, BRCA1 or 2, or, you know, get tested for that. But there's actually more that they test for in that, um, that gene testing. So he actually yeah. raised something in my mind that he said, you know, you really should go get your genes tested. And I was like, well, I don't have any history. It's like, it doesn't matter. You are the beginning, you know, you could be that beginning. And so right. for me, it's really important because I have a 13 year old daughter and I also have a brother who has two kids as well. And right. it's just, it's, it's, a, it's about being proactive. And I think that's the big thing is being proactive and taking control of your health. And I love that you really advocate for women in their twenties to get a baseline. It's the same thing, you know, getting a baseline for your, you know, postural assessment and your range of motion. And I hate that the insurance companies put a number on it where they say you should get a baseline at 40. Like, who are you to say when I should get my health tested? (laughs) Absolutely. You have to be your own advocate. And that's the problem is if you're not an advocate for yourself, no one will be. I, I tell this story that my mother and grandmother both died of strokes. So a couple of years ago, when I went to the doctor, I said to him, should we be looking at my carotids and shouldn't we be doing an ultrasound of them? I mean, if I have both family members, female family members has happened to, and then he did order a ultrasound of my carotids, but if I wouldn't have brought it up, he never would have, and he's a great doctor, nothing against him, mm-hmm. but he wouldn't have brought it up. I mean, yeah, that's it's just, scary. It's scary that if you can't advocate for yourself, who can advocate for you? Right. And how do you get the information out to people? Like, how do you educate them about all this? You know, women's health is so important. Men's health is too, just in case there's anybody out there listening. <laughs> yes. Well, men's health is important too, but you know, so many of these great studies are all done on men. You know, the yes. big study they did on heart disease, there were 50,000 men in the study and no women. That was a study done back in the 60s. And just to digress a little bit, 
women experience heart problems in a very different way of men. One of my friends who's a nurse in the emergency room told me that if a woman comes in with jaw pain, she could be having a heart attack. Who knew that? I didn't know that. I didn't know that either until he told me that. So there's so much that we all need to think about when we think about our health. But, you know, breast cancer doesn't affect just women. I mean, they say the average age of breast cancer is 62, but that's an average. And there's still very many women in their 20s and 30s who do get breast cancer and deal with it. And um, they need to know. We all need to know. We all need to be aware of our own bodies. Absolutely. And take control of it. Yeah. Create that lifestyle by design. So um, I love everything that the Ayers Foundation is doing. I think it's amazing. I'm so blessed to be able to have you on my podcast to share what you're doing for women and the community and be able to get that information out there. So if you would like to learn more about the Ayers Foundation, you can go to ayersfoundation.org. If you go to the top right, you'll see where it says Restored, and that's where you can make a donation to get that new book called Restored um, to help um, with any funding that you can do for the women. So is there any last bit of advice or one thing, like what's the one takeaway that you would like listeners to make sure that they, they take away today? Really two, two things. One is the first okay. of the month, do your own breast exam. It's really important. And two, we're here to help. The Ares Foundation is here to help. And it's easy to fill out an application. All somebody needs to do is provide their diagnosis and their finances because we want to make sure that we really help the women who need our help. Absolutely. Yes. I like to call um, my, all these women that I meet throughout my breast cancer journey, I call them my breasties. And I always say that it's the club that um, I never wanted to be a part of, but I couldn't imagine not being in it because it's just, I mean, the community that I've built with other survivors and thrivers has been amazing. And I I really feel like it is a community that we really do just try to help and give back. So that's what you want to do is give back. That's really important. That's why I say I found my purpose at the intersection of passion and pain, because I feel like I was meant to be a voice to help other women and educate them on the importance of cancer and exercise, prehab, whatever that is, you know, taking control of your life and empowering them. So I'm so glad I was able to have you here on the podcast today. This has been amazing, very educational, very empowering and inspiring. So again, um, I will put the link into the show notes. It's for the airsfoundation.org. Please go check them out, support them, follow them on social media. And um, please remember to um, pass word along about what it is that the Ayers Foundation does because they're doing tremendous things out there in the world. Thank you so much for listening. I hope this week's episode has somehow changed your life with a smile. If you are looking for guidance through your breast cancer journey, including your recovery, but don't know where to start, head over to shannonburrows.com and let's chat. Until next week, live well, laugh often, and love much.